Welcome to At the Crossroads Church weekly podcast. Our hope is that you will grow in your walk with God and be blessed and encouraged in your daily lives as you listen. You can visit us at our website at atthecrossroads.ca. Father, we thank you, God, today uh, that you're going to speak to our hearts. You're going to challenge us, and I thank you that your word brings change for the better in our lives. We honor your word today, and all God's people said... Amen. Amen. So we're going to start this morning. I want to, the title of my message is, um, it's time for a seven-mile walk. It's time for a seven-mile walk. And I want to start this morning uh, in Acts chapter 3. I want to talk about a couple situations. I want to talk about two ways in which God uh, develops us uh, in our Christian walk. How many know that there's two specific ways that God deals with us in the discipleship process? And that's what I want to talk about. I'm going to start with the first one. In Acts chapter 3, Acts chapter 3, verse 1 to 10. Now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a certain man, a lame from his mother's womb, was carried whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask for alms from those who entered the temple, who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked for alms. And fixing his eyes on him, John and Peter said, Look at us. So he gave them his attention expecting to receive something from them. Then Peter said, Silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus of Nazareth, rise up and walk. It's funny here that Peter doesn't even pray for him. He says, what I have I give you. And it's important to note this, that these men were going to the temple to pray at the hour of prayer. How many know we need a time that we have to put on our schedule to pray? Because you can only take people as far as you are yourself. And I know as a pastor, even times where I've just gotten busy and neglected some devo- time of prayer, and then I get called into an emergency situation, and I'm just, just raffled up inside because I never had the time to pray. And how many know we have to have a scheduled time to pray? You can only give what you have. And so look what happens. He says, silver and gold I do not have, but what I have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ. Rise up and walk. And he took the man by the right hand, Right? And he lifted him up, and immediately, I want you to say immediately, his feet and ankle bones received strength. So the man leaped up, stood and walked, and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. And then all the people saw him walking and praising God, and they knew that it was he who sat begging for alms at the beautiful gate. And they were all filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. And um, how, how does Jesus work in our life? I want to look at, you know, who Peter and John were to this beggar is who Jesus is to us in our journey sometime. And I love here that, um, first of all, that Jesus has given us his name. He says, I've given you my name and you're to take my name and in my name you shall cast out devils. You shall heal the sick, right? You shall preach the gospel in my name. Now, Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father, but he's given us the authority to use his name, so we have power of attorney. And every time we use Jesus' name, we are revealing his character, we're revealing his authority, and we're revealing his power. And in this situation here, all right, um, Peter and John looked down and they said, what we do, like, we don't have silver and gold, but what we have, we give you. In the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. And he uses the authority, power of attorney, uses the name of Jesus, presents the gospel, pulls the man up, and immediately, say immediately, the guy's ankles become strong 
and he begins to walk. Immediately, he begins to praise God. Immediately, he begins to, you know, give God glory. And how many know that, that we love the God of the suddenlies? We love it when God does something immediately in our lives. We want, we want the immediate healing. We want, we want to receive strength immediately for our marriage. We want immediate strength, uh, you know, to help us with our finance. We want God, God, we want you to move immediately. Give us strength so that we can walk on our own. We don't want process. We just want miracles. How many hear what I'm saying? And I love the suddenlies of God. How many love the suddenlies of God? When suddenly God moves. And, and, and these things happen where God just suddenly moves uh, and touches people's lives. You know, a pastor was telling me he was amazed because in his service, there was a, a woman sitting in the congregation. And a guy comes in the front door. He's a drunk. He's staggering around and he's knocking into chairs and he's looking for somewhere to sit. And at the same time, this woman stands up and starts praying in tongues really loud. And he's sitting here going, Travis, I don't know what to do. Like, do I shut this woman down because it's distracting? This guy, what do we do? Do I get a bouncer on this guy? Like, what's going on? And so she's just speaking in tongues, and he's sitting there looking at this, doesn't know what to do. And the moment this guy sits down, he jumps up, and he goes, holy beep. But he said the word. He goes, the Holy Ghost just touched me. And the guy jumped up, and he was instantly delivered and instantly sober and in his right mind. How many know that God can suddenly move, that God can suddenly do things? He can move by his power, and he can do miracles. And I love those moments uh, where, uh, you know, I've, I've shared the gospel, and someone says a sinner's prayer, and suddenly they have peace. Suddenly they're delivered from shame and fear and guilt, and suddenly their life is changed forever, just like this man with Peter and John. How many have ever had that experience where, Suddenly, God, let's see a hand, show of hands. Suddenly, God touches you. And, and we love those moments. We love what God can do in those moments. You know, here's another suddenly moment. In the, during the Brownsville revival, the preacher said there was a couple that was struggling. They were going for marriage counseling, and they just, she had committed a, an affair on him, and uh, he was not willing to forgive her, and she was mad at him. And, and they said, you just got to come to church. God's moving. So they came to church, and they're sitting at the back. One's facing this way. The other's facing this way. They are mad or just mad. And they're praying, and at the end, he pray, leads the church, I guess, in repentance or whatever, and God suddenly moves. Say suddenly. suddenly. So he's trying to preach, and he has to look out and go, excuse me, um, you guys stop making out in church. This is not the place. Because they were kissing passionately in church. Can you, you guys, can you guys stop? What happened? Suddenly God came and suddenly God moved. And how many know that we serve a God who can move immediately? And those are the things we love. And when we're discipling people, it's like many times, that, and, and, you know, and especially um, uh, teenagers, young people. I know Colin would probably relate to this, working with teenagers, uh, that you, 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 you share the gospel, you proclaim the name of Jesus, just like Peter does, and, and you want them to immediately get strength and run, run with you, and, uh, but you end up chasing people to come back to church. You're chasing people to get together for a coffee. Ah, I don't have time. There's no passion. But how many know when God moves suddenly, there's passion? You read here on this verse in Acts chapter 3, verse 11. 
It says, now as a lame man who was healed, he held on to Peter and John. How many would love that? You share your faith, someone gets saved, and they're like, I'm holding on. I had those situations where people give their heart to Christ, and they call me up, and they, won't, they get my phone number somehow, and they're like, hey, can we go over a coffee? And, you know, when's the next meeting going on? And, you know, can I go with you to prayer meeting? And they're holding on because God suddenly touched them. And we need those suddenlies. We have to believe God for those. And charismatic Pentecostal people call this revival, but it's only part of revival. This is what we call the breakthrough. We talk about we want breakthrough in our marriage. We want breakthrough with our kids. We want breakthrough in our finances. We want breakthrough in our health. But how many know God speaks another way as well? And this is the second one I want to bring up. The second way that the Lord Jesus ministers to us is found in Luke chapter 24. Now, the context of what's happening here is Jesus died. The disciples find the tomb empty. And they don't know what happened to Jesus. And so this is two of the disciples are walking. It says, now behold, two of them were traveling the same day to a village called Emmaus, which was seven miles from Jerusalem. Say seven miles. Uh, seven miles is like Belleville. So that's, not, that's, that's a little bit of a walk. How many know, you know that's not walking to the corner? I mean, that's a long walk. Very common in those days. And so here they are. They have to walk seven miles from Jerusalem. And they talk together of all the things which had happened. And so it was while they were conversing and reasoning that Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were restrained so that they did not know him. And he said to them, what kind of conversation is this that you're talking with one another? And why are you sad? And then one of the men called Cleopas answered and said to him, Are you only a stranger in Jerusalem? Have you not known the things which happened there in these, last, in these days? And he said to them, What things? Jesus is asking. So they said to him, The things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people. Luke chapter 24 and 27. And beginning from Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. But they did not recognize Jesus. Jesus came and walked with them. And many times it's like this in life. We're walking on a long journey. We're going for seven miles. And Jesus shows up to talk to us. But we don't recognize him because he comes in a different package. See, I'm one, I've always been this way. I'll sit down with a Catholic priest, even though there's a lot of error there. I'll sit down with, uh, I'll sit down with an Anglican. I'll sit down with you know, all the denominations. And what I have learned is that there's, there's, God is revealing something in everything. How many hear what I'm saying? And I can have conversation, and, and I can see that God is speaking to me. A lot of people will not receive, they don't recognize Jesus when he speaks to them because they've already packaged him this is what Jesus looks like to me. I've had people, I said, can I pray that Jesus will heal you? And I'll open the scripture to expound to them the scripture concerning divine healing. And they say, no, my denomination doesn't believe in it. I don't recognize Jesus. But let me expound to you the scripture. See, Jesus wants to talk to you, and he might be trying to talk to you through your spouse, through your boss, through your coworker. He could be trying to talk to you through somebody, and you don't even recognize it because it's not coming in the package you wanted. 
But how many know we're going on a seven-mile journey? And you might not recognize, but Jesus is trying to talk to you. Amen? They were conversing and reasoning on the seven-mile journey. And Jesus joined them, and they didn't recognize him. I want to recognize the Lord when he speaks to me. And so many people don't recognize it because they're waiting for the suddenlies of God. They're waiting for God to immediately fix their their issue, immediately do something in their life, instead of realizing that sometimes it's just a journey. Sometimes God is talking to us in the midst of the process, okay? And so sometimes it's not immediate breakthrough. Sometimes it's a seven-mile walk. Sometimes it's a journey. And... um, During the journey, Jesus will expound the Scriptures to us. Isn't that good? And now, in reference to our responsibility as believers to go and do the work of an evangelist, sometimes we get frustrated because we present Jesus. We we use His name, power of attorney, and we share the gospel of Jesus. And people are like, no, I'm not interested. Or they get offended and they march off. And we say, okay, well, I guess this thing, you know, God's not using me. But we forget that maybe that's just a seed planted and that next time you have an opportunity, you can plant a seed. And the next time you have an opportunity, you can plant a seed and something begins to happen in their lives. Amen? They didn't recognize Jesus. And look at verse 28 of Luke chapter 24. And then they drew near to the village where they were going. And he indicated that he would have gone further, but they constrained him, saying, Abide with us, for it is towards evening, and the day is far spent. And and he went in, and he stayed with them. And now it came to pass, as he sat at the table with them, that he, he took bread, he blessed it, and broke it, and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened, and they knew him, and he vanished from their sight. And, and so when they broke bread together in fellowship and relationship, their eyes were opened. And they said, it's the Lord. And he vanished from their sight. Verse 32. And they said to one another, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked with us? On the road, and while he opened the scriptures to us. And you know what? I, I've literally had this situation where people have come to this church and have sat in this service and said to me, Pastor, the word is burning in my heart. You, you, what you're preaching is just, it's, it's awesome. I haven't heard this, and it's, it's burning in me. It's awesome. And then they don't come back, and I'm like, where are you? Well, you know what? It just doesn't fit. I don't believe that. You know, I went to this type of a church for so long, and it just, but didn't your heart burn within you? Didn't you recognize the presence of God? Didn't you? And, and so many times we have to be willing to go to the Word and allow Him to lead us and expound the Scriptures to us. Amen? Many times we don't recognize Jesus because of we have our Jesus box. Jesus looks a certain way, you know. I had a conversation with a Catholic priest recently, and 
We see Jesus different. We, we, and we all have our boxes, but how many know Jesus, Jesus can break those boxes? We have denominational ideas. We have past experiences. All of these things keep us from hearing the voice of Jesus. I mean, I had a situation at work where years ago when I was praying, saying, God, I really need you to speak to me. I need a direct word from heaven. I had to make a very serious decision. And I was just praying and fasting and seeking God. And I went to work, and there was this one guy that I did not like. And he cussed me up, and he hated God and everything else. And he came up to me and said, you know what you should do? You should do... And he said, and it was exactly what I was praying about. And I turned and I said, Lord, how can you talk through a jerk? How can you do that? He said, I've spoken through an ass in the past. Uh, Balaam's donkey, I'm not swearing. But God, I'm telling you, God can talk to you, and, you know, and it's coming from a place you would never recognize. And if you're not open to it, if you're closed to it because of what your denomination taught you or the system that you see Jesus in, guess what? You can miss what God wants to do. God wants to take you on a seven-mile journey. He wants to take you to a place you've never been before. He wants to expound the scriptures in your understanding. But we can't keep God in a box. Sometimes it's not immediate. Sometimes it's a journey. And God wants us as Christians to take people on the journey, a seven-mile walk, to work with people that it seems like they're not getting it, but you just keep loving, you keep caring, you keep pushing in, you keep sharing. And eventually, one day, their heart eyes are going to be open. They're going to say, did not our hearts burn within us? Amen? Let's go to Matthew chapter 12. I think this is very important. Matthew chapter 12, verse 38 and 39. And some of the scribes and Pharisees came, answered, saying, Teach us, Jesus. Teacher, we want to see a sign from you. Now, listen, Jesus had already opened blind eyes. Jesus had already done all kinds of miracles, but they were looking for signs. And look how Jesus responds. But he answers and said to them, an evil and adulterous generation seek after a sign. And no sign will be given except the sign of the prophet Jonah. The issue that he had was they didn't want to hear the message. They didn't want to hear the message Jesus preached. They wanted to see signs and wonders. And Jesus' message in context, what was he preaching about before they asked the question? Is Matthew chapter 12, 33, either make the tree Good and its fruit good, or make the tree bad and its fruit bad, for a tree is known by its fruit. And he's talking about repentance, turning your, yourself from your own direction and saying, God, not my way, but your way. And this is an important message in this time and season because we're not to be, we're not to be chasing after signs and wonders. We're supposed to be looking for repentance. And Jesus says here, right here in Matthew chapter 12, okay, verse 40, For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh will rise up in judgment with this generation and condemn it, because they, what? Repented at the preaching of Jonah. Jonah didn't come to do miracles. Jonah came to share Listen, the God of mercy and the God of truth is calling you to repentance. 
He doesn't want to judge you. Turn from your sin. And they turned from their sin. And, it's, and he said, this generation will rise up against the current generation because they're chasing signs, wonders, and miracles instead of searching for repentance. And he said, and indeed a greater than Jonah is here. The queen of the south will rise up in judgment with this generation. Condemn it. For she came from the ends of the earth to hear what? The wisdom of Solomon. Indeed, a greater than Solomon is here. These scribes and Pharisees, they should have been seeking for repentance, seeking repentance, and they should have been seeking for wisdom. They should have been saying, I want to walk with you, Lord, on the seven miles. I want you to expound to me the scriptures. I want to turn from my sin. I want to do life the way you're asking me to do life. Uh, And that's what they should have been doing. But instead, they're saying, show us miracles. Show us signs. And the Bible says that's an evil and adulterous generation. When we should be seeking an inward witness of genuine repentance and inner peace, people are seeking for a manifestation of the Holy Spirit to come in power And they're looking to fall down and laugh and have all kinds of things happening externally. But how many know you can have things happening externally and people can leave here and their marriage is still broken. There's still issues happening all around their life. They got sin and guilt and shame and fear and addiction in their life. But yes, they went to a Holy Ghost meeting. And God does move by His Spirit. He will sometimes come and move so that you can't stand in His presence. I'm not belittling that, I'm saying what we should be looking for is a move of the Holy Spirit on the inside that transforms us more than a move that comes upon us. I'm more excited, honestly, to see someone come in who has bitterness towards someone and fear and guilt and shame because of sin that repent and turn towards the Lord. And then they're able to say, Pastor, I was able to forgive my ex-husband. I was willing to forgive my mother-in-law, and I did it from the heart. And you know what, Pastor? I got peace on the inside. And the shame I felt when I was raped, when I was 13 years old, that shame is gone. I feel so full of joy and peace on the inside. That's more important than a manifestation coming this way. It has to come from within. For the glory of the Lord is upon our lips. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Many times people who have experiences externally still are bound with sin and shame and guilt. And so I want to read this passage here um, in Acts chapter 1 verse 8. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you that you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria and the ends of the earth. The mission isn't to receive power for the sake of receiving power. The mission is to be witnesses of the goodness of God. And I believe in the power of the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit, but in proper balance. Because it says this, and Paul is talking in 2 Corinthians, I believe it's chapter 14, about the gifts of the Spirit. He says this, pursue love. That word pursue means run after agape. Run after the love of God. Run after intimacy with God. And desire spiritual gifts. But most of the charismatic church, Pentecostal churches, I've seen the opposite. They're they're pursuing and running after the gifts. 
Therefore, they're left to desire the love of God because they don't have it. Pursue desire. Switch it around. So we need to pursue God. Pursue love. And then desire the gifts and he'll give it. But if you're chasing after gifts, you know, if, has anyone ever had kids and it's Christmas time and they're chasing you around the house? Daddy, I want this. I want this now. And this is what I want for Christmas. And, you know, and the next day it's on sale here. You know, after a while, it's not a gift anymore. Everybody knows. We can't chase after the gifts. We can desire them. But we're to chase after the agape love of God. We're to chase after the fellowship that God has. And I believe that as we do that, we're going to see lives change and transform. We always have to have faith for the suddenlies. We always got to say, God, I really, really desire that you will just come in and that you'll just make me strong immediately so I can walk my journey. But sometimes he doesn't. And you got to be like, I'm okay with that because I'm going to walk with you. And sometimes it's breakthrough and sometimes it's walkthrough. And people that don't get their breakthrough, then they come and then they feel condemned and they feel like, you know... I'm no good and God doesn't love me because, you know, I, I'm sick and I got prayed for 20 times and I'm not healed yet. And maybe God doesn't love me because I didn't, I didn't receive strength immediately. So what's, and, and see how the enemy plays on that? Instead of saying, you know what? I was hoping for a breakthrough, but now I've got to walk through. I'm going to hang out with you and you're going to disciple me and teach me and walk me through this process. And I'm going to come out on the other end. Isn't God good? Amen. So, Father, we thank you, Lord, for the work that you're doing in the earth. People are refocusing on repentance, turning, and, and, and repentance is a, a beautiful word. It's not, it's not a legalistic word. It means turning from my humanistic tendency and saying, God, I'm walking with you. I'm doing it your way. So, Father, I thank you, Lord, that you're doing that work. And in doing that, we're going to be changed from the inside and out. And then all of that you know, signs and wonders and miracles, that's the cherry on top. We're not chasing after that. We're chasing after you. Father, I thank you, Lord, that even now as we're about to take communion, um, if, you, if you didn't, if people, if you didn't get elements, they're sitting over there, you can, you can walk over there and grab one. I'm going to take communion together. First Corinthians. Did, did you guys get anything out of that this morning? Amen. an old song, he walks with me and he talks with me. How does that song go? Walks with me and he talks with me and he tells me I am his own. Joy I've shared here there. It's ever known. Yeah, that's, and you know what? That's, 
That's the joy of doing life. We walk with him. He talks with us. Yeah, but I want to suddenly. Well, God just wants to hang with you for a bit and teach you something. Amen? For Paul says, For I, I received from the Lord that which I delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take this, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Father, I thank you, God, that your, your body was broken and beaten, that by Jesus' stripes and wounds, I can be healed, we can be healed at all levels, God. We thank you that it's because of your body. And God, as we break bread, as we have communion today, I pray that the miracle of us being able to have our eyes open to maybe areas that, Jesus, you've been speaking to us and we haven't recognized your voice. May we recognize it now in Jesus' name. Let's partake. And in the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. I thank you, Jesus, for your blood. There's nothing we could do, no good works good enough to cleanse us from our sin. It was your precious blood, and we do this in remembrance of you. In Jesus' name, let's partake. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening. We hope that you enjoyed our message. If you are in the Quinty West area, we would love to have you visit us on Sunday morning at 24 Dundas Street West, Trenton, Ontario. Check out our service times on our website at atthecrossroads.ca.